learning from not only success but failures i think failures is matter of fact kind of a success in itself <laughs> because at the end of the day if maybe like that like they said if you do it once it's luck but if you do it again and again and again it's it's not luck it's success it's talent all right welcome back to beyond the book today ahmed and i are going to discuss the one thing by gary keller keller before we start, Ahmed, I will say I really, really enjoyed this book more than I honestly thought I would. And I'm sure we're going to talk about it during during this podcast episode, but I found so many similarities in this book to points in deep work, uh, the power of habit, um, yeah. even in uh, just very, very broad with Win Without Pitching Manifesto. Oh, yeah, right, 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 right. Can you just give the audience a very high level overview of what the one thing is, what the premise of the book is, Ahmed? Yeah, like to be honest, uh, I, di- I didn't even want to put the book in three sentences. It's really one simple sentence, which is find one thing to do every day that will move you forward in your business or in your life. But it's more centered around decisions for your business and how you're going to move on with your life. And it's related to professional work and like your life in general, to be honest. So it's what's the one thing that you can do every day or in one week or in one month that is going to push you forward in your life, in your goals, to be honest. I couldn't have said it better. It's very reminiscent of the compound effect. Right. Looking at how you can make an incremental increase every single day and over time that compounds and you get to the place you want to be at in life um all right well the first part the lies they mislead and derail us the author really starts this out with saying uh or setting the stage that there's a reason why we need to focus Mm. and that reason is it will help us advance towards our goals and actually achieve them. And there's so many distractions in our life that derail us from actually achieving anything. And is there anything you want to start out with from this first chapter of the book, Ahmed? Yeah. So I think this book is like the missing piece of a puzzle from all the other books that you you read or the audience, maybe they didn't, they even didn't, didn't read it, but I think that from The Power of Habit, Deep Work, and all the other books that we discussed, uh, even uh, Still Like an Artist, to be honest. And this book, it comes here and it tells you if you want to move forward with your goals, you need to focus. And being able to identify which is the one thing that you need to do to move forward is very difficult. And it pretty much give you the framework. So yeah, that's what the book is about, is not only telling you all oh, you need to find the one thing that will move forward, but it tells you how to do it. And that's what I loved about the book, not only telling you that there is one thing that you need to do and move on, right? So. Yeah, and in that first chapter, uh, the author brings up this idea of going small, which later in the book, he talks about going big and how you need to dream big. But going small, um, here's one quote. 
It's realizing that extraordinary results are directly determined by how narrow you can focus. You can make your focus. And when we think about the win without pitching manifesto, the whole idea behind that is when you're a specialist, you're not doing 5 million things. You're not a generalist. And as a specialist, we've said this probably in every episode, you make more money, you're more uh, respected, and you can grow deeper in your field. And I really like the point in the one thing of, it it feels kind of counterculture. You know, many YouTube videos will talk about how you need to, you need to go wide. You need to, you know, I think of like Gary V, you need to be posting 16 times an hour. Um, (laughs) And, and this is the opposite of that. This is very like, oh, well, maybe we don't have to have these huge lofty expectations. And there's one story I loved in the book where there is a, uh, a business professional that thought the only way to succeed was he had to wake up super early. You know, it just felt very, he had to do the YouTuber lifestyle. Yeah. So when you look at that compared to what is something really small you can focus on, why do you think Ahmed, Gary, and the author of the book, Gary said that is what determines extraordinary results. So, you know, uh, I was just finishing reading the book and I was listening to a podcast uh, with this guy named Andrew Tate. I don't know if you know this guy. Mm-mm. And okay, and it was talking about like when you have a business, you take people's money, right? Like, right. Either you like it or not, you're taking people's money, but it is not put it in a like negative narrative. And if you start to like being intentional with where you're spending your money and how they took your money, like if you go to Starbucks, why did you go to Starbucks and why did you buy the coffee? And if you didn't buy the sandwich, why, you know? And so you're going to find the one thing that they did that made you take this decision and you're going to start understanding what, what can you come up with that is, it will be different that are going to disturb not the market itself, but like in this particular place with this particular competition, if I can say it like that. But it all comes down to one thing that you can do differently so that you'll thrive. It all comes down to that. So I think that it is all related to a lot of aspects, business, life, whatever it might be, even relationships, I think. And it all comes down to always one thing right yeah i agree and he continues from one thing it's possible for what he calls the domino effect our audience can think of it as the compound effect you're giving an opportunity for that to take place because you're focusing and you're working on those small incremental changes every single day and that's how you advance towards anything and i really like it, it it might feel when you're reading this like, okay, yeah, this is a lot of, these are no brainers, uh, pointers and whatnot, but sometimes things that feel like a no brainer or just feel simple have the biggest impact. Like yeah. if you focus small, you can achieve big things, you know? Uh, have there been moments in your life, Ahmed, in either personal or in business where you've really seen by narrowing your focus, 
over an expended or extended period of time, you've found greater success? Up until this point, you know, I'm still always looking for the one thing that can move the needle. And uh, I know, you know, this book is a no-brainer to read for a, for someone who is starting a business, like right away, or he's stuck in business, stuck in life, whatever it might be. And for myself, let's say, you know, I, I started my Shopify studio and I was asking myself what I can do now that is going to move forward things for me. Yeah, I need to have the website, but it is really like the most important thing that I can do to have clients because there's people who don't even have a website having clients, right? They don't have a portfolio, they're having clients. And what are they doing? Exactly. Most testimonials, they're having clients. What are they doing? They're calling people. They're sending emails. And if you have a beautiful website, you have all this like fancy stuff, but you don't do the work. And you don't do the one thing that gonna bring money to temple, like what is the purpose? So if there's one thing that can move things for me now, it is sending emails, uh, making right. reels, making like videos showing my work, reaching reaching people, you know. And so that is what I'm focusing right now is like getting noticed. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. And in the book, he says. To, to start that domino effect, you need to find the lead domino and whack away at it until it falls. So basically, once you've identified that small one thing, you need to just keep going. So if, you're, if, if building your website is the one thing, break that up. We're working on the homepage today. Tomorrow's about services the next day. We're revising the day after, whatever that might be. But keep hitting that because you'll find once you get that one thing done, the domino effect can take place. You'll find, okay, well, now that that's done, my new one thing, the next domino is outreach, maybe. Whatever, you know, we can't, Ahmed and I can't say what your one thing is. That's for every entrepreneur to figure out for themselves uh, and maybe with the help of a mentor. However, the theory behind it remains the true, true for everyone. You got to find the first thing, hit that hard. And then that progresses you uh, further along. And Gary says, the key is over time. Success is built sequentially. It's just one thing at a time. And moving forward uh, in the first part of the book, we get into success leaves clues. Clues. You remember that part of the book, Ahmed? Yeah, I remember. Not not that much, but yeah. And at the end of the day, it's like, only, I think, nine pages or no, yeah. it's, oh, it's more than that or nine I pages for what? Like for this part of the book. Oh, this part. Yeah. He, he broke it up in a very like outline form. Um, mm-hmm. It's different than a, I think a regular table of contents, probably that help get people. Once you read the book, you need to go back and, and find something specific. Um, yeah, I got it. Yeah. So with leaving clues, The idea of that is basically as you're progressing along in your career, you'll start to be able to identify maybe the one thing you do really well. Because you'll see, you know, you'll get emails saying, oh, I really loved X, Y, and Z you did. You'll get referrals. Oh, so-and-so said you're really good with X, Y, or Z. Clues like that can help us refine our business and help refine us. Uh, 
Have you had moments, Ahmed, where you've found clues that helped you get to the point that you're at now with your business? Yeah, definitely. And it's more finding like clues in success of others at the end of the mm. day, right? And you reverse engineer and you're going to understand how they did it because and they took it from somewhere, somewhere, someone else. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, not everybody, but I think that, again, like still like an artist, everybody who has success comes from many other successful other peoples that took inspiration from. And yeah, like learning from not only success, but failures. I think failures is, matter of fact, kind of a success in itself. So I can learn from and yeah, definitely. <laughs> because at the end of the day, if maybe like you, like they said, if you do it once, it's luck. But if you do it again yeah. and again and again, yeah. it's it's not luck. It's success. It's talent. It's something that you found. But in order to have it, you need to practice it. It doesn't come from one day to the other. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. No. It, it's very rare that there's just like this lightning bolt of a moment. And it just all happens uh, and you win the lottery. And the clues that success leaves, uh, to Ahmed's point, is, yes, very reminiscent of Steel Like an Artist. Basically, the author is like, look, find someone that is doing the things you want to be doing in life. And like Ahmed said, reverse engineer it. Because why try to reinvent uh, the wheel, so to speak? Now, of course, there's always going to be something that we should be contributing that adds on. We're not carbon copies of any person, and that's not what we're saying by any means. However, it's taking a strategic approach to accomplishing your goals instead of just trying to will it into existence. It's like, okay, you know, let's have discipline, but then let's also let's be smart about this. And let's look at who's doing something that we can replicate in some capacity and learn from their success and failures. Um, is there a person that comes to mind for you, Ahmed, that's someone that you really sought to replicate or, or learn from? Yeah, replicate is, uh, I won't say replicate, but sure. I would say like, avoid the same failures. I, I, I really like Chris Doe. I really like yeah. Stephen Curry. And yeah, not only like in the same field, as I say, and even animes. Like, again, you take inspiration from animes, even if the... Uh, the uh, like character is fictional, like it doesn't need to be a real person. But the other day, if it's realistic, why not? You know, that's what I'm saying. Even you can have ideas from movies, from whatever it might be. But having like a model to take inspiration from and staying in this in the uh, learning state, always in the uh, like being the student of life, it's what us to success to be honest yeah um what about you back. actually yeah that's uh i realized after i asked the question i probably have to answer my own question <laughs> yeah of course you do it probably yeah probably the future blind probably the same thing um I remember just watching one of those whiteboard sessions and that's kind of when a lot clicked for me and I saw the potential uh, that was was there at the time. And I have tried to replicate many aspects of that. Um, the biggest problem for me starting out was 
you know, trying to be that one-stop shop and marketing as a one-stop shop. So trying to do, you know, 4,000 things at one time and feeling like I had to do that all at one time instead of let's just focus on one, maybe two offerings, get that down, proof of concept established, and then you scale from there because you need the bread and butter before you're worrying about all the sides. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. So definitely probably the future and, and blind the agency in the book. We move to a section, one passion, one skill. Can you just yeah. talk to briefly the similarities between that and win without pitching and just specialization in general? I, I think that we're lucky to do what is what we're passionate about in a sense. But I think that up to a point, you lose that. You lose the spark. I don't think that I'll be passionate doing websites for, for years, you know, like let's just be realistic here, and uh, at the end of the day, it becomes discipline. Like either you like it or not, you're gonna do it. And <laughs> you know, if again, you know, I heard that in the podcast. It was crazy. He's really right. He's saying that if someone give you one million or one billion to dig a hole, you're gonna dig it with passion, right? I'm gonna dig the hole, and if there is one million in the hole, I'm gonna be passionate about. And in China, there is like a lot of uh, factories about, I don't know, cement, uh, whatever it might be. You do think that, that the guy is passionate about that, but he's showing up every day and he's doing the one thing that move the, <laughs> move the business forward. So, yeah. yeah, it is important to be passionate, but I don't Passion think... Passion isn't going to get you there alone. Exactly. So you, you need to, you need discipline with that. Yeah, you can be passionate about it, but oh, I'm passionate, I'm going to do it every day. It can actually works against you like you're going to be working 12 hours a day i, I prefer to not be passionate about it if you ask me the question like that right uh, i prefer to not be passionate about it, work for five hours and get it done and move forward until whatever or be passionate working for 12 hours and burn myself out right yeah depends yeah. on how you passion see passion like gas can become empty yeah and there are going it's to be many days where you're doing the work and it's not fun. Like it isn't. And I remember I, I had a conversation with, uh, with, with Adriana recently, just kind of like this realization that, yeah, old soul, old soul's a job. It is. It's it not, is. it's not nine to five. It is something I love, but you best believe there are days where it's like, I don't want to be doing this specific task, but you gotta, cause he's, you know, my eyes are set on higher things. Um, and I think that's a good thing because yeah. it builds it builds character, it builds worth ec- work ethic, and it really challenges you to keep going. It's similar to like if you are, let's say, invested in the stock mar- market. Well, right now, <laughs> it ain't doing too hot. So are you just looking at the short term and you're freaking out, you're selling everything and, you know, you're freaking out or... Are you looking at the long term? Same thing when it comes to your business. There's going to be the days where everything feels like it's falling apart and you're holding the ship together, <clears> but and you can abandon and just say, you know what, I'm done. Or are you looking at the future and saying, well, why did I do this to begin with? Mm. And I think that's that's important. Um, the second part of the book, I don't know if this is part two or next chapter. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. We get into 
there's the six lies between you and success. Why don't we read those and then we can kind of go through each of them briefly and maybe talk about a few moments in our lives and business that we've we've experienced those. Yeah, um, sure. I have them pulled up. I'll just read them real quick. Everything matters equally. Two, multitasking. Three, a disciplined life. Four, willpower is always on will call. Five, a balanced life. Six, big is bad. That first one, everything matters equally. Yeah. <laughs> Tell the audience, Ahmed, when have you felt that you know you were the place where you were doing maybe everything and because everything felt important? Yeah, like like I said in the beginning of, of uh, launching the Shopify Studio, I was like pretty much all over the place. Like I found my purpose, but I need the website. I need to do this. I do the copywriting. I do this. I do this and do that. But I needed to. I, I didn't even read the book, right? On the, uh, I I didn't read it. Yeah, this time I didn't read it. And uh, I was like, I need to do this. I need to structure because I was all over the place and some something right. that made took me one month took me like two months and a half because i wasn't structured and mm. now i'm at the point where i have my five years goal uh, i have my three years goal and like getting to that point i have my big goal. if i want to make let's say three millions and i'm here doing all by myself but i can if you know i just broke it down if i have two clients per month that is 20k each client it is 40k right Ten time tens months is 400k but to reach that two millions i need to get out of my city which is quebec like getting, bringing me my fucking 40 percent taxes like sure. <laughs> from sure. from a half yeah. a meal i have 200 so i need to get out of there yeah. right and doing more clients more work so that i can reach my goal and how I see it is, if I don't want to do it, someone else is looking for my place, right? And you want to do it, so why wouldn't I, right? So it depends on the big goal. That's that's why after we're gonna move forward in, in the book, he told you that you need to have this particular big goal. Otherwise, you're gonna have a plan. You're gonna have smaller goals, and you don't know how to just go there, right? And that is why everything must equally isn't really true. You need to find what what is this one thing that are gonna move forward to the next thing, and again, what is the one thing that are gonna move you to the third step, fourth step, five step, six step, up to the point of your big big goal. So yeah. No, I I felt that. Um, yeah, I. <laughs> there's been many times where I felt like everything was was equal, everything was important, and that it 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 hurt me in many ways i burned out from it you know when i was managing multiple projects trying to make all the meetings trying to get new clients like that yeah i burned out i think i, I got sick and i physically like my body broke down i had to take a couple of days off because the stress was getting to me and i realized this isn't sustainable duh <laughs> and, yeah and not everything is equal and i like the chapter that really goes into that talks about the 80 20 principle which i think we've we've discussed about we've discussed before 
But it's true. I mean, think about it. like, are 80% of the emails you're sending out producing 20% of anything? Or is it the 20% of the emails that are producing 80? You know, cold outreach. Are the bulk of them getting you the work or is a very slim amount? Probably a very slim amount, right? And the same applies to just the way you run your business. There's a uh, an influencer. We'll put him in the show notes. I, his first name is Jamie. I forget Jamie. his last name. Uh, he's done some stuff with the future, some collaborations. Um, he says that freelancers, business owners, whatever, should split their day in half. Half of the day or half of your working hours are client work, and then the other half is finding new work. Yeah. Because if you're constantly finding new, Jamie Brindle, I believe, if you're okay. finding new work, you're never going to be without clients. You're always going to have a healthy pipeline. So when you think about like that, uh, when you put it that way, it makes more sense to spend more time on outreach. That's why when I'm onboarding new clients or I'm speaking with potential clients and they don't see the value of marketing, I get into, okay, well, if your marketing was actually producing sales, would you find it important? Yes. And it's like, all right, so you just have to, what's the one thing to move that needle, right? And it's about just really structuring your time and figuring out the qualifiers for what's important and what isn't. The second lie is multitasking, which remind me, what book were we talking about that, that had multitasking mentioned? Was it Deep Work? Deep Work, Deep Work, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay. All right, so talk to us about multitasking know, um, you, and you how are, that's a lie. You are the multitasker. <laughs> I know, I am the multitasker. Uh, yeah, pretty much. It, just, it, it doesn't work. Exactly. It doesn't yeah. work at all. And yeah, many people think that it is possible, but we're not computers, which is right. fact. And even a computer, if you are opening uh, like Google Chrome, Safari, Photoshop, Adobe XD, Adobe Premiere at the same time, you're going to slow down, right? And you can do Photoshop and Premiere at the same time. Like either you're going to choose what project are you going to work on. And even if a video is processing in the background, it's going to slow down the computer. So how you as a it human is. think that you're, you're able to multitask. But there is possibility of multitasking depending on the actual tasks that you're doing that don't demand your cognitive ability, but multitasking for like tasks that you need your focus, it is impossible, right? Like it's impossible. Just don't try that. Yeah, even if you try, you see that you can't succeed, succeed with that. Have you understood that or not yet? Uh, like I have, and honestly, it's because of these books that that we've been going through and the conversations we've had on, on the podcast, my views on multitasking have, uh, have changed a bit. I'm seeing the value more in, uh, the deep work mentality and also understanding this is probably viewing everything as equal. It's not the, the world is not going to end if a client calls and I don't answer. Yeah. Which I have felt for a very long time. I need to always be on call. I've said that on this podcast that I always need to be on call and I have to. But the truth is it it isn't. Uh, 
we the work we're doing it's not going to cause you know the end of the world yeah and yeah so with with multitasking i'm definitely yeah it's one of my one of my uh my downfalls um i found myself when i was listening to the audiobook of the one thing you know i'm i'm cleaning i'm doing all this other stuff it starts talking about multitasking i'm like yeah, how much am I actually retaining? So I go back and I listen, right? Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Multitasking. From multitasking, we, yes, it's it's a, a deadly sin. Um, from there, <laughs> we get into the disciplined life. And there's a quote, success is actually a short race, a sprint fueled by discipline just long enough for habit to kick in and take over. This reminds me of power habit. Exactly. When we think about the the habit cycle or the yeah, the habit loop, whatever yeah. they called it. Can you speak to that a little bit, please? Yeah, yeah, sure. Like uh, I assume that not everybody is disciplined, which is a fact, but I don't know the percentage and uh not everybody is born disciplined and you can be disciplined, let's say, in the gym, but you're indisciplined with your money. Uh, so depends on how you are going to see it. And you're always outside spending money by going to the gym. That's good for you. But what is most important, being disciplined with your money or going to the gym? So you see the difference here? But I think, yeah, I think that it needs to be a disciplined lifestyle instead of discipline in certain aspect of life. That is just, oh yeah, I'm going to the gym. Oh yeah, I'm a good, uh, good with my money. But you know, discipline in other sense of life, you see. So again, it's habits that makes discipline uh, less like overwhelming, if I can say it like that. And again, it comes down to let's call it like gym you know, fashion. But there's a lot of people who. They don't love their work. It's not their passion, right? And they got to go work. Either you're in good mood, bad mood, we don't care. You go to work. And as an entrepreneur, that's the small difference, if I can say it like that. I'm not going to feel like guilty if I take a day off because I don't feel like it. But when I say I don't feel like it is my brain is hurting, you know? And I really don't feel like it. So I'm not going to go against that i listen to my buddy but when I'm, when I'm saying if you don't feel like it but you gotta do it i'm saying about like bad mood like you just get into argument with someone whatever it might be or you had a bad news and you say oh i'm not gonna do it today this is not the same thing like this is not you listening to your buddy this is you just making excuses for not doing the thing right so it's not discipline for me that is different from taking care of yourself if i can put it like that sure and the truth is with discipline you only need enough to get you to the bare minimum and here's what i mean when i first started like trying to get into reading for for leisure not reading you know for school or whatever i remember <laughs> and that's it, it's silly but it, like reading for a minute to two minutes was tough. Like sitting and focusing and not feeling uh, distracted, not 
quieting the internal noise of should I be working on this? Or I kind of want to, I don't know, I want to make breakfast. Uh, the outside noise, oh, they're, they're mowing the lawn. The grass is getting cut right now, whatever. It took time. So I had to set a number of reminders that would actually just get me to two minutes, to five minutes a day, to 10 minutes a day. And you just need the bare minimum. Because eventually, when you go long enough, it'll become a habit. And once a habit, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. So I think that's where a lot of people get derailed. I know I get derailed all the time with that. If, I, if there's a new course I want to take or a new skill I want to learn, it's only a couple of days until that fizzles out because yeah. I don't have a discipline for it. But I've also not set up the structures that help me achieve that. And I, I think that's, I don't know. I don't think anyone is really born with a ton of discipline. Exactly. I think it's just all learned behavior. And exactly. it applies to everything in life, not just not just business by any yeah. means. It either works with you or against you. And you got to choose which side you're going to pick. And if you're on the wrong side, you got to understand that you're on the wrong side. <laughs> because it's difficult to even notice that you're on the bad side. Yeah, you know it per se, but... Are you really going to like make yourself do what you're gonna do to get out out of it? Yeah, it's very very difficult. Like I understand that, but you gotta do what you gotta do, man. Yeah. the The next lie is willpower is always on will call. <laughs> so I think willpower we could equate to passion, like you've been using it throughout the episode. Basically, all that means is. If there's an emergency that comes up, that's your uh, the that's where the passion comes in to get something done. That's where the willpower comes in. That first day when you get the course, you have the willpower to get through the first section of it, the first module. But the difference between that and discipline is discipline is the driving force that's like, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to make it happen. And it feels there's tension there with the discipline. So I kind of, the way I see this, the way I see this is kind of in steps. First, you have willpower, then you have discipline, then you have habit. I don't know. Do you kind of see, do you believe it lines up that way as well, or is it different? Yeah, I see it like that. But I think that it is before the willpower, it is the um, intention. You know, uh, I need to do this or I got to do this. And then now, after that, you need the willpower to do that. Like for someone, who is very, let's say, very obese and he has uh, health issues, like, yeah, he knows that he needs to go to the gym, right? But he needs the willpower to do it. And what is going to make him go to the gym? Like, what is the, this one thing that sparks the, uh, like, the intention and is going to spark the willpower, right? And it's just a matter of split second, right, in your brain that make you realize that, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I don't think that he needed that much of a willpower to do that, but it's more of an accumulation uh, of negative thoughts. And, you know, he get motivated by himself. And in one day, let's, let's do it. Same thing with business at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, totally. And I think the whole the theme to this chapter and discussing the lie is if you think that, Oh, well, I'll just, I'll do it tomorrow when I, 
Like I'll feel like doing it tomorrow. Ten to one, you you're not. You're not. You might yeah. say that you're going to get to it tomorrow, but it's like, nah, you you ain't going to get to it. How's it any different from today? Are you setting reminders? Is there anything uh, set up to help you achieve that? Do you have someone holding you accountable? What's the the difference? Twenty four hours, maybe, but I think it's the chances are slim. And he says willpower has a limited battery life. So can you talk to like what that really means of willpower is in short supply and it's not just like on 24 seven? You know, that's where I listened to, uh, uh, I read it when we talked about it on the um, uh, Power of Habit episode. And I was telling you, you know, I, I read that, that willpower has battery life, but I didn't recall where and actually was on the, the one thing. And yeah, if you don't know that willpower has battery, it actually has. And if you don't use it accordingly, we're going to burn out per se. Yeah. So you can understand when and how to use it. But yeah, I don't think I'm on a point where, I, you know, uh, I need to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. You, you, you do it and you shut up. So, yeah. And like I told you before, and on this episode, I told you that, let's say you need willpower at the beginning before going to the gym, right? Every day is a battle against yourself. But up to a point, you don't need willpower to go to the gym, right? It becomes a habit. Either I don't need to force myself to go play basketball or go to the gym per se, because I just want to go there. I don't need to force myself. But there's days where I don't feel like it. I'd still go, you know? Yeah. No, I, 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 well, I don't feel that with, with the gym scenario, <laughs> I, I stay away from that, but I get, I get the, the idea of what you're saying. And, and the author goes on, uh, within the chapter says, give willpower the time of day, basically try to gauge yourself on when you feel like you have the most willpower and when it leaves. I know for me, the morning I got willpower. Oh yeah. Willpower gives me the ability to start my routine, to start that habit. And I know it starts decreasing probably around 12 or one in the afternoon. Um, well, it's probably decreased before that, but that's where I feel very low. And that's probably when I'll get lunch, I'll sit on the couch. And that's when the thoughts of, why don't you just take a nap? Or why don't you turn on the Xbox? Like you've, you've worked hard, you've worked for several hours. Like just, you deserve it type thing. And I might do that for a little bit, but I have a very hard time taking naps. Like I, I can't nap. And I've, in reading this, it made me discover, well, maybe that's just because discipline kicks in and is like, no, nah, no, nah, you got to keep going. Just because, you know, you are your own boss and your work from home doesn't mean that you should be stopping right now because there are other things you need to accomplish let's remember your big one thing and that kind of gets me the 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 boost i need to let discipline take over and it's like all right despite how my body may be feeling i need to get back to work god i love naps bro i need naps oh yeah oh yeah if i don't nap like there's a day where i don't have time to nap because i'm outside or whatever and i'm drained like i can sleep at 9 a.m 9 p.m i'm out so I need a little nap. <laughs> and I think there's nothing wrong with naps. I think 
for myself, I just refuel in a different way. Yeah. I refuel by sitting and just being for a second, um, by playing a game on my phone. I don't need to like go to sleep to do that for me. So it's just, it depends. Everyone's built different. You know, it's, um, it's really crazy because uh, I'm conscious about while napping and the 20 minutes feel like 40 minutes, but I know that it's 20 minutes, you know? Oh, there's, and, I mean, there's tons of science that backs that. Yeah, you're not supposed to take hours to nap. It's supposed to be short. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. my brain is like putting all those things together, is, you know, is visualizing mm. what I'm doing next, what I did cool. before, and, you know, that. It's more of an investment, if I can put it like that, because I'm not working, but, you know, I'm resting while working, if I can yeah. say it like that. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, and the next lie is a balanced life, which I forget the episode, but we did discuss. Uh, I remember bringing up, I don't really believe in, in work-life balance. Me neither. Um, yeah, it's more of work-life integration. And I think this is the chapter that brought it up. There was a story told of a, a guy, you know, he does the typical, works his whole life, gets to a point where... He retires and now he's trying, he said that he's making up time and all. And the author said, but can you make up, you know, playing with your, your kid uh, when they're seven and now they're 18? You can't. Can you make up the times that, you know, you, you could have had family dinners uh, with a young kid. Now they're, you know, 16 and their friends over. You can't. So that really, that hit me because. I've felt for myself, like I really have this desire to work, work, work mm. very hard because I'm thinking I want to get that done now. So in the future, you know, things are good, but I don't think I don't have an answer yet on how I really feel about it. But it, it, the gears are turning because I'm thinking maybe that's just not that shouldn't be the goal because you miss life. Depends. Depends. There's people who don't want to get married. They, they want to stay alone, you know, and they dedicate their life to work, order to religion, whatever it might be. But work-life balance, I, I don't really believe in that, too, to be honest. Like, if I compare my lifestyle before what I was doing, sports betting, like, my day starts, I, I, I place bet, and I'm done. And after the games are done, I cash out. Like I have my money and I do nothing with my day. You know, I'm sleeping on the gym. I do nothing. There is no work-life balance here. I have a lifestyle and it brings money. If you have to work to a point where you can enjoy your life, but you still got to work. Eh? It's, even if it's passive income, you got to manage to watch what is going on. You invest in crypto. Oh my God, maybe you're going to crash. You're going you're gonna, <laughs> to... Look what happened. Especially happens, now. You know? Exactly. So right. even if it's passive, you're still going to watch it. There is no such thing as just sleeping, getting money without watching, you know? Yeah. Exists, yeah, no, at agree. some point, but you still need to manage that for sure. Yeah. There's, there's a quote in the book. In your effort to attend all things, everything gets shortchanged and nothing gets its due. That's poignant because that, that ain't just about business. I mean, that impacts every aspect of your life. If you're, this also goes back to uh, 
feeling like everything's equal. Well, if you're feeling like everything's equal and you're trying to attend all things, you're not giving a hundred percent to everything. So there is, uh, something's getting the short end of the deal, the stick, whatever the saying is. Um, and then at the very end, extraordinary results are achieved by the negotiation with your time. So this chapter, this is one of probably the most impactful parts of, of the book for me. Cause it just made me think like that paradigm that I have, maybe that ain't it, Matt. And maybe that's something you really need to think about. Cause that's something that I'll tell people like, no, I can't do that. I'm working. Da, da, da. And that's something that I've taken pride in, but I don't know. I see to be, to be continued. Um, <laughs> the next and maybe final lie. Yeah. Big is bad. Can you speak to that? And, I, I thought that you know, walked the audience through. Yeah. That I, there is two perspectives on that. And what I mean is you have a goal. Yeah, okay. I want you want to make a million, let's say, and you're here. Uh, you just want to make a million, and there's nothing happening. You don't know what you're gonna do. You just dream big, but what 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 are the steps that are gonna bring you there, right? So we just dream big, and if you don't attain your goal, let's say, oh, this is something that's more crazy. Yeah, there's people who can attain uh, achieve that for sure. But if I, I say, oh, I want to make 10 millions by 30, and if I don't make it, I'm a loser. By 30, I don't have even a million. And so you just work against yourself here, right? And it's not realistic. It's not like achievable. Like I said, there's people who can do that, but they did it in the right way to achieve that. So for me, dreaming big is not uh, like, it's not something bad, but you need to do it in the right way. Yeah, dream big, but you gotta have a plan to dream that big. Yeah, yeah, to achieve it. Yeah, I I think that I've definitely had conversations with people that they said that they you know they felt like wanting success in the way that they defined it was a bad thing. Uh, family made them feel that way. Friends, maybe they just felt guilty. Uh, themselves about it and the the whole idea with the one thing is to first discover what that is you got to know where you want to go because if you don't know where you you want to go how are you going to make a map for it how are you going to get started for it how are you going to let the the compound effect the domino effect how are you going to let those things happen if you're not working towards anything that's the same with that's planning for your business planning for your life for your relationships for uh your education that's also applies to when you're working with clients, you know, on their projects. If there's no goal in mind, like how you're not going anywhere, right? Exactly. So when you dream big and you have that big one thing, you're then to your point, Ahmed, you're supposed to break that up. You need to break that up. And in the in the book, he talks about like, you know, annual planning and then like quarterly planning and monthly and weekly and daily. And the whole point is work on like one big thing a day that will help move the needle to get you closer to achieving that, that goal. And it's not going to happen in a year. It should be bigger than that. You know? Well, we went through the lies. I mean, I think we're maybe, maybe halfway through the book at this point. Why don't we end the episode with just kind of going through practical 
steps right. to implementing the one thing idea. Um, I will say time blocking was brought up. Yeah. That's something we've discussed in, in previous episodes. Um, if there's accountability. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. If, no, please. Yeah, if there's one thing, I had that. He mentioned that in the book that you need to master it is time blocking. Like uh, people respect schedules with others, not everybody, but I see it's rude if you don't respect the schedule meeting. And but we don't respect ourselves. We don't respect meetings with ourselves, right? And like you gotta be to the point where you have a meeting. You don't have to say it's with yourself, but you have a meeting, right? So booking time with yourself, it's one path to start implementing the one thing that you need to do this particular day or maybe every day. And there's a chapter where, yeah, about productivity, where he said that you have a calendar and you're going to start putting the one thing that you're going to do and you're going to yeah. put crosses on it. With a red. Exactly. Yeah, and you have like three days or four days uh, of rest, but you don't break the chain, right? And after the next week, you're going to have those days that you miss. You're going to do it. But not, you, you still have rest, weekends or whatever it might be. And uh, you don't break the chain. Oh, as simple as that. Yeah. I, think it was, I think it was Seinfeld. Before Seinfeld became Seinfeld, mm -hmm. I think they were the one that, that said, like, your only goal is not to break the chain. So if that's like working out every day for you, your only goal is like make it to the gym. And if it's five minutes, five minutes, but like you can't break that. And when you look at the anatomy of a habit, that is what's so important. That's why I think the book said 66 days are needed to develop a habit. Yeah. And that pushes back on the whole 30 day thing. Um, yeah, I love that. And to your point about protecting or respecting yourself and your one thing, there's a number of ways that you can protect your, uh, your time. So that is, you know, one is an accountability partner, someone that you're checking in with daily. Uh, another would be set physical reminders, have sticky notes. You know, if you need to spend time reading a book, make sure that book is out. So you see it, you know, have digital reminders. And we've spoken about all this before. Um, and I think it all has to begin from time blocking. Yeah. Because that's kind of determining your schedule and whatnot. And I really liked, uh, he mentioned that you should talk to the people closest to you about it. Not necessarily in an accountability way, but just letting them know like, hey, you know, I'm going to need X number of minutes or whatever to work on this at this time of the day. And it's just... I think it's a nice way to share with people that care about you that like you're serious about this, thing, you know? Yeah. He shared uh, three tips for the time blocking, which is time block your time off and you need to time block your one thing and you need to time block your planning time, like time block your time block, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's pretty much I like good, that. You know? I'm writing that down. Um, yeah. I will say, I think it was maybe deep work. One of the books we read mm -hmm. and it, it pushed me. My main takeaway was the time blocking thing. And I've been doing it now for probably two weeks um, or so. And I really, it's, it's going well. And I feel much better 
uh, because of it. Nice. You know, my days are way more productive and I think I'm going to do what, what the author said. I'm going to time block my time block. Nice. Um, and planning. Uh, and he actually, yeah, he used the, uh, deep work analogy, which is like four hours, four hours. Exactly. Four yeah. Hours. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Thank you, bro. That's what we're talking uh -huh. about. <laughs> you know, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. And he brings you to the four thieves or I don't know. I'm going to call them also the four anti-productivity and which is inability to say no. We talked about that also, right? Oh my God. Uh, this is something crazy saying yes to everything. No, no, no. Thank you. Matt, you're no, going to be a master of no. <laughs> master of no. Yeah. Well, it's not like when you're uh, inventing excuses, but is the the only truth you know i have things to do it is doing thing with yourself doing something it is so you're doing something fear the second thief is fear of chaos you know always be fearful of something fear feeling of failure feeling of getting hit hit by a car fear feeling of getting injured fear fear of everything you know like that's something that, like, not for myself, to be honest, but I don't know if there's people like that, <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, it's definitely like a worst case scenario mentality where everything is worst case scenario. And my dog is uh, being needy. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I have had that mentality before where it's just like, feels like I'm constantly doomsday prepping. Not in like a like actual like doomsday, but more like okay, well, if I don't take this meeting, like what's going to happen from that? And you just kind of go down that that mm -hmm. rabbit hole. Um, was that the third one? Is there one more? Two, the second one. Well, at the end of the day, like fear of chaos is not that like dramatic, but like just for me, it summarizes into the uh, fear of fear all the time. You know, fear. Fear of whatever what everyone is gonna think of that or this or whatever it might be, and brings us to the third one, which is poor health habits, and like poor habits depends on who is the person, right? Like it depends, but poor habits is anti-productivity thing. That's that's for sure. Eating crap doesn't help you get things done. That's for sure. And the last thing, which is, I think, related to the third one, but not that much. Environment doesn't support your goals. And I put it into, like, circle of friends. Uh, where are you, like, spending your time? That's affect your productivity for sure. And it brings you away from your one thing, your goals. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, well, this has been a very full episode. I think in our closing, the main idea, figure out what your big, audacious, crazy, it's never going to happen goal is, and then work on figuring out what that one thing is, that 1% you can do every single day, put in the reps and keep it going to accomplish it. Protect that, work on time blocking, protect your time blocking, develop habits, and your habits are going to lead to you accomplishing that one thing. And with that, I think this episode is a wrap. It is a wrap. Don't forget to uh, 
go to the show notes and yep. leave us a review. Leave us a review anywhere you listen to the podcast and uh, shoot us, you know, leave in the comments or shoot us a DM. What is your one thing or what is the one thing that you're working on today? We'd love to know. And with that, this is Beyond the Book. Thank you. And we'll catch you in the next one. Bye.